0: There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? You know, there's nothing I like better than to close the door, sit back, warm up the old turntable, and put on some songs by those four Liverpudlians, Mark, Dave, Billy, and Bob. Yep! That's their Um, names. Don't be fooled. You may have heard differently. Maybe you were hoodwinked into the idea that they were uh, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. But this week's movie finally puts the record straight. Or wait, wait, wait. Were they really Robin, Maurice, Barry, and Peter? I'm so confused. Well, there's no way out of this. It's my fault. I totally admit it broadcasting live from heartland usa it's max mike movies with this week's entry in our series ladies and gentlemen the beatles 1978's sergeant pepper's only hearts club band which stars the bgs and peter frampton if you can truly call this starring <laughs> you know who is starring it's that guy on my left the eighth bg max zeppo gib levine say hi
1: Zippo Gib Levine. Sure. Why not? Hey, now I thought that's your middle name. That's me. I did, I, I'm i well known for my Grammy-attended song. <laughs> hey, look over there.
0: <laughs> could be worse. Could that be was what dumb-o-me. I used to get
1: into the Grammys. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> oh. And I am the tall one with the long hair and the weird overbite, Mike 24th Frampton Loose. Hello. <laughs> hey, it makes as much sense as this week's movie. Oops! Well... Before I give anything else away, let's slide into this week's poll question instead. Poll Poll question. Question. Last week, we were desperate to know, what is your favorite parody movie? What? (laughs) Did you say desperate? Desperate. Desperate. There was a huge passel of answers, so let's dive in. From Facebook, Dave started us off with... Quote, I suppose young Frankenstein comes to mind, I suppose. Uh, I have a soft, soft spot for Blazing Saddles because I saw it in the right age, but I can't say it held up very well, end quote. Huh. quote. He would not be the last one to mention old Mel Brooks. Thanks, Dave. Christine Santos was next with, quote, Men in Tights or Galaxy Quest, end quote. Oh, well, there's nah. Mel again. Thanks, Christine. Mm-hmm. Angelo Patsalis added another to the list of Brooks's films with Spaceballs. Thanks, Angelo. Steve Strickland veered off with, quote, date movie, end quote. You know, I never saw that. Oh, Lord, really? eh, He likes it. Okay. Thanks, Steve.
1: Made him laugh. That's
0: cool. Sure. Val Coons, producer and writer of that brilliant podcast, Q Footsteps, which I have nothing at all to do with, posted... Nothing at all. What's up, Doc? Though, I guess it's more of an homage Uh, than a parody. After that, the Mel Brooks films previously mentioned, end quote. After a moment's reflection, she then added, quote, Oh, geez, just to look at all the other answers, how could I forget Airplane and Naked Gun? Airplane will always be one of my very favorite movies, end quote. Abram, Zucker, and Zucker finally make the list. Thanks, Val. Uh, Tyler Stewart, in an amazingly brief form, added right after Val, quote, ditto, end quote. (laughs) I missed that film. Did you see that one?
1: (laughs) I I did. I really didn't get a lot of marketing, though.
0: Yeah. Oh, well. did not Oh, well. Uh, uh, Thanks, Tyler. (laughs) (sighs) Jessington Miller gives us, quote, men in tights, always. Wait, is that a sequel?
1: (laughs) Yep, that is. Men in tights. Men in tights 2, always. I don't Thank- always tight.
0: Yeah. Ooh. <clears throat> Package. Thanks, Jess. Matt Reisman tosses us a curveball, which we should have seen coming with, quote, Shaun of the Dead. I like genre parodies oh. that are good stories on their own. Galaxy Quest is a close second, end quote. Good call. Thanks, Matt. Nice. Tony Keller mentions one of my favorite movies, quote, Murder by Death, end quote.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's a classic.
0: It's disgusting. I'll tell you later.
1: <laughs> it's Thank. another one that doesn't necessarily age well in terms of appropriateness, but uh, I think it's still funny.
0: Hey, one of the two Changs was actually Asian.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and it's Wang. Wang, right? By sorry, yes, it was. So it was.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Adam Mark makes it easy. "Quote everything, Mel Brooks." End quote. Well, okay. There you go. Thanks, sure. Adam. Richard Tatum offered. "Quote student bodies." Awful, but completely accurate parody, end quote. It's another one I hadn't heard of, but I will look up. I know the name. I've never seen it. Oh, thanks, Richard. Harry McCracken gave me one I had to look up just to be sure it was real. Quote, Movie Movie, one of my very, very favorite movies, and certainly my favorite of the movie parody era of the 1970s, Mel Brooks, Murder by Death, Airplane, etc. I've read the script for the unproduced sequel, end quote. Was that Movie
1: Movie Movie?
0: (laughs) I only heard of movie
1: movie as a punchline. It was one of those you give the answer first and then do the question. The answer was movie movie. The question: What do we do after din din?
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. It's like sis boom ba. Yeah, boom ba. Thanks, Harry. <laughs> Javi Carl said, "Quote the naked gun and or airplane." End quote. Uh, Thanks, Javi.
1: Abram Zucker and Zucker. Yep, I well, love Hills. you boys. <laughs>
0: Dr. Professor Rebecca Pelkey's choice was, "quote What we do in the shadows," which I ah, think qualifies as parody. And quote, "Hell yes, it does." Sure,
1: sure it is. It's, it's parody a- of uh, re- of reality shows. It's parody of vampire
0: movies. Absolutely. Yep. Thanks, Becca. Chrissy Becker brings us back to Mel with, "quote Young Frankenstein." And quote, "Thanks." That's Chrissy. Frankenstein. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's Igor. Uh, uh, one more vote for Young Frankenstein came from Liz Zielinski. Thanks, Liz. Kelly Cooper sneaked in, and I do mean sneaked. With quote, <laughs> "I was thinking I didn't have a favorite parody movie, but I like a lot of the ones that have popped up here. One I didn't see here that's both a parody and a wonderful movie in its own right is Charade, the 1963 version." of End quote. Yeah, I asked really? her. I didn't have an answer yet. I asked her. I, that's a parody. That's interesting. I want to hear what she says. Yeah. I, but hey, thanks for bringing it up. I love that movie. Yeah. So. No. Brian McStravick popped in with, quote, you'll love this answer. Not another teen movie. Oh, Lord. Um, I don't know if I love it because I haven't seen it. How about I've, I know
1: that series. And yeah. Ouch.
0: Oh, OK. Well, we love your answer anyway. Thanks, Brian. Yep. Yep. Brian Mundo, posting off the official Facebook page, commented, quote, I don't know. I'm not a big parody movie fan. Scary movie was pretty funny, but by the 12th one, they were kind of dumb, end quote. <laughs> I didn't know they had 12 of them. <laughs> I didn't
1: know it took 12 for them to get dumb.
0: Ah, oops. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. And lastly, from the website, we have Vince, stop calling me snowy, (laughs) opruzizi, quote, I think Young Frankenstein is one of the best as it's funny, but also seriously done. The music, set, cinematography are near perfect, as is the cast. Same with High Anxiety, but is dumb as well, maybe because of it. Top Secret cracks me up every time. I'm not even sure which genre it's, well, parodying. World War II spy movies? Uh... 50s musicals, end quote. I say all of them above.
1: Yeah, all of them.
0: So thanks, Vince. Thanks, Vince. (laughs) Vinks. So, Max, this was your baby. How do you burp it? That's uh, that's slang.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, the obvious answer, I got to go with a lot of the majority, is Young Frankenstein. Yeah. But I gotta say, I always thought Life of Brian was one of the great greatest parodies of religious movies.
0: Mm, you mean like in search the, of historic Jesus? <laughs> yep,
1: yep, yep. Or of course the TV version, I Dream of Jesus. Uh, uh, no, no. Oh no, yeah, no, I'm sure. No. Yep, 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 yep. With Larry Hagman as Jesus, I remember.
0: Yes, and Jesus was kept in a small bottle and couldn't show his naval intelligence. Whatever, as
1: he as it says in the Bible.
0: <laughs> You're such a loon.
1: It's in the Book of Lear, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a Gnostic book, but we would not go there. Wow, that
1: was deep. But, yeah, <laughs> wow. Yeah, what about you? What do you what's your uh, top of your parody
0: list? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, the Mel Brooks is such an easy choice, and that's not a bad. But there's thing. a reason for it. There's I think, a reason it's for easy. Me, I, now, Blazing Saddles is, is I mean, not not the least of which because it's got some really good parody of race relations. The problem with it is that these days people don't realize it's parody, and that's where we get into trouble. Um, I like Young Frankenstein better as a movie. Yeah, um,
1: it's, prob- yeah it's probably better done.
0: I, the re- After that, mm, <laughs> I'm not so much of a Mel Brooks. I appreciate Mel Brooks. I just don't laugh out loud to Mel Brooks. Um... That's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I'm so used to parody songs, so I think Weird Al, but UHF wasn't a parody. <laughs> not re- Well, it was not a documentary. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go with UHF because why the hell not? Why not? I know. Because why it's our not? show, and if I can say that's parody, why not? I mean, there's parodies uh, in it, so yeah. Yep. But that's cool. as usual, we are really thankful for all your answers. Thank you so much. There's
1: bumpy bucks in the mail for
0: all of you. Well, Trust us, they're bumpy in the mail. Bucks presses will be running twenty four seven till all your bucks are printed, and we yep. haven't forgotten the Bumpy Hut catalog. We're just hoping uh, you have. <clears throat> yeah. But there is a new poll question for this week. Oh
1: goody! Do yes. tell us what it is.
0: We want to know what musician or band's music would you make a jukebox musical out of? Can it ooh, be done ooh. well? Is it a good thing? Let us know, won't you? Until then, let's get to some trivia, shall we? Well, hang on, I know one. We should do the Beatles. No one's done that. Uh,
1: uh, Next week,
0: large bat your head a date. (laughs) (laughs) The show budget thirteen million. Take wow twenty million. Strangely, you're kidding. I remember it having more impact. But no, maybe that's just the impact when it hit the ground. I'm surprised they made their money back, but okay. They kind of (laughs) didn't. My (laughs) guess is that, well, we'll get to this. Yeah, we'll get to that, yeah. Aerosmith, always the bridesmaid. They were choice number (laughs) two to play the FVB. Kiss was number one, but they wanted to do Phantom of the Park instead. And of course, they were Ah, busy bleeding into ink vats so they could have their comic uh, printed in real Kiss blood. God, (laughs) Yes, I remember that I had that issue. Yeah, made me itchy. Smelled funny. Alice Cooper oh, was Lord. in a rehab center when this movie was going on, but he got a three-day pass to record his vocals and do his um, acting.
1: <laughs> I see, and I'm sure the doctor were going, well, that was a mistake.
0: <laughs> you seem
1: worse, Mr. Uh,
0: <laughs> Mr. Cooper. Uh, yeah. The Beatles, all alive at this point, certainly knew of this movie. Of the four, <laughs> only two went to the premiere Oddly prescient, it was Paul and Ringo, and they were, oh. shall we say, not fans. George and John refused to see it. Beatles lore! <laughs> Sadly, while John refused to go and see it, he was treated, please note the air quotes, to two back-to-back showings on a flight he was taking from Rome to New York. It I'm was surprised shown, he didn't walk out. <laughs> it was it was shown twice because of a weather delay. Lucky, oh, lucky John. God. Yeah. To film the finale, which we'll get to later, the makers of the movie basically invited anyone they could get to come, which explains the rather odd cast (laughs) more or less recreating the cover to the album of the same name as the title of this movie. Mm, It... uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, it... No, it doesn't! (laughs) Later, we're doing trivia. Right, right. Two weeks into the making of this film, and uh, certain cast members had second thoughts. The Bee Gees tried to wiggle out, but to no avail. (laughs) Yes, they were like, could we please leave this movie? No! <laughs> <laughs> the only person in this movie connected with the Beatles at all was Billy Preston, who plays... We're not really sure. But yeah. he did play the piano on the original version of Get Back, the song he sings in this movie. Yes, two
1: th- a couple things. Billy Preston is the only person ever to be credited on a Beatles song other than the Beatles. The song Get Back is... The Beatles with Billy Preston present. Oh. And you are mistaken. There is one other person involved in this movie who has a connection to the Beatles. Oh, what, por- what poor schmuck
0: is that? George Martin. Well, I guess that's later in the tri- trivia. Oh, You're ruining sorry. it. And he's not sorry. in the movie. Oh, sorry, sorry, but he is, is connect with it. <laughs> Three songs from the soundtrack actually charted. Max, can you guess which one?
1: I'm going to guess uh, Come Together.
0: Okay, that's the,
1: one. The, the Aerosmith one. Yep. And I'm out. I can't, oh, no, maybe Earth, Wind, and Fire's version of... Uh, um, Got to get you into my it? life. Got to get you into my life.
0: That is the second one. The third one I don't, won't us, be surprised if you miss. Uh,
1: it can't be the Alice Cooper one.
0: No, it can't. Uh,
1: <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination. And I, I doubt it's anything that George Burns did. No. Uh, no. Uh, it, not Steve Martin. Nope. Okay, I, I have
0: no idea. It is Robin Gibbs' version of O'Darlin'. Really? Yep, those three charted. They don't even sing, he doesn't even sing the whole song. Oh, that, that, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Now, that soundtrack did set a record. It was the first album to return platinum, meaning that over a million, in this case, four million, were returned to the recording company. And so it's isn't that kind of like anti-platinum? it called return platinum, which is, it sounds good, return platinum. It sounds good, yeah. but you don't want it. And wow. you already ruined this, but, and who produced this album? None other than George Martin. That's who. Yes.
1: And then he gave up music and wrote Game of Thrones.
0: Uh, no, that's George. Yes, it's R- totally R- the
1: same guy. <sighs> i saw it on the internet don't dispute me
0: yeah uh uh-huh sure internet (laughs) one that's in your head when queried george harrison said of the Bee Gees and framptoms appearance in this film quote i think it's damaged their images their careers and they didn't (laughs) need to do that it's just like the beatles trying to do the rolling stones the rolling stones can do it better end quote oh that's actually very generous of him (laughs) it was a number of years later um yeah yeah
1: that's very kind of him to say that You know, because the Beatles and the Rolling
0: Stones, you could, they're comparable. Yeah.
1: The Beatles and Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees.
0: We'll get to that. We will. (laughs) Like many bands, the Bee Gees' music and performances was owned by somebody else. When they finally managed to get the rights back in their hands, they only left one album out. This one. can't
1: imagine. Oh, you're kidding. (laughs) Excuse me. Now I have a heart attack and die from the shock of that news.
0: (laughs) We want all our music back, except that one. (laughs) (laughs) There was another Beatles movie released the same year as this, I Want to Hold Your Hand, which we might get Uh to later in this series. Uh Steve Martin, since we were talking about Steve Martin. Steve Martin's album, Wild and Crazy Guy, came out this year and charted a good deal higher than did this soundtrack. (laughs) He made it to number two. Yeah. There you go, Steve. Yeah. At the ultimate showdown... (laughs) I can't say this without laughing yeah. At the ultimate showdown between Peter Frampton And Steven oh. Tyler The original oh. script called for Tyler's death to be an accident When the director tried to change it So that Frampton overpowers and kills Tyler <laughs> Harold, Smith, Harold Smith nearly walked off As Joe Perry declared quote, There's no effing way that Steven is going to get directly offed by Frampton end quote. <laughs> Go I'm Joe I'm sorry,
1: Peter Frampton could not be be could not beat up Steven Tyler. <laughs> Peter Frampton could not beat up Liv Tyler.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that's all the trivia I, which I thought was plenty wow. and somewhat humorous that I have. Do you know anything else? That, wow. Uh, no.
1: No. Uh, I think that's that's plenty.
0: Right. So now it comes down to the plot.
1: <laughs> the okay. Part everyone's
0: been waiting for.
1: Oh yeah. This is this is crucial to the movie.
0: Wow. Where to start? Well. It's more or less 1918, just after World War One, which was somehow won when Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band marched through the middle of a battle playing music which is somehow enough to get the fighting to stop. Deemed heroes, they play their songs all through the decades till the 50s, where inexplicably, they're being memorialized in an American city called Backlot. I mean Heartland. <coughs> just as the dedication starts, the leader, Sergeant Pepper, dies of acute embarrassment. Daub or age. <laughs> We're not sure. The band's instruments are given to some kids who grew up to be the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton or the new Sergeant Pepper's Yeti 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 They get heard by the evil Donald Pleasants, who I totally did not recognize in I did film. neither
1: for half the movie.
0: They get heard by the evil Donald Pleasants, who tempts them away from Heartland to come to dirty old Hollywood and become rich and famous. So they go. Meanwhile, mean Mr. Mustard moves to town in his dirty bus with Lurch from the Adams Family and starts <laughs> to buy up real estate so he can bring arcades to Heartland and ruin it. <laughs> it's all the plot of the evil FVB, a faceless computer program, or something, something. that has mustard steal the original band's instruments and distribute them to some people remarkably named after other Beatles songs. Meanwhile... Billy Shears, played by Peter Frampton, is being tempted away from his sweetheart, Strawberry Fields, by the vampy Lucy, leader of the Diamonds, who will indeed later on play on a rooftop which is as close to the sky as she can get. Things seem to be going down the tubes, and only George Burns can keep the very loose threads of this plot from (laughs) utterly unraveling. Realizing that fame and glamour aren't all they're cracked up to be, the boys grab Mustard's bus and go about recapturing their instruments. They get most of the way, then... Earth, Wind, and Fire show up to do a song and distract the audience from what little story actually remains. Mustard captures Strawberry, his bus, and the instruments and brings them all to FVB, the future villain band, which, in real life, is Aerosmith. (laughs) They have a nefarious scheme to... Do something, which involves brainwashing and money. No one cares. It's a showdown between good and evil, or rather, Peter Frampton and (laughs) Stephen Tyler. The good guy, such as he is, wins, but Strawberry Fields is lost in the process. Deciding to end it all by jumping off the roof of a one-story front porch, his sadness (laughs) suddenly summons the spirit of Billy Preston, who isn't dead, to appear yeah. and put things back in their proper places and cha- change the bad guys all into clergy, which isn't a mixed message at all. Then, everyone who is anyone in Hollywood, and Leif Garrett, sing a reprise <laughs> of the title song, and the credits roll, the end.
1: <laughs> the low down Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Pretty it, huh? <laughs> That's pretty much it, huh? That's pretty much it, because it doesn't matter, because none of the plot, none, this movie doesn't make sense initially. I don't think it's supposed to. It's sort of supposed to be a fairy tale. Uh Except when it really isn't. I mean, (laughs) the tonal shifts in this movie will give you whiplash.
0: Um, I'm sorry, I didn't actually notice any tonal shifts. It starts goofy and it just stays (laughs) there. (laughs) But you have an attempted suicide. Oh, yeah. You have the death (laughs) of a major character who, I would like to point
1: out, is then put in a glass snow-white coffin.
0: Yeah, that wasn't weird.
1: That wasn't weird at all, and you, you have, I, I, I want to get back to this, because this really gave me a, a new appreciation for our, our last movie, Across the Universe, you have all of these characters whose names are from Beatles songs, some of them rather obscurely, like the Bee Gees are all the Hendersons, Yeah, as in, the Hendersons will dance and sing, etc., from Mr. Kite, mm. Yeah, no she- the others are more obvious. But-
0: <laughs> you remember the the Hendersons, Mark, Dave, Billy, and Bob. Yeah, uh, my favorite was Dougie Shears. That was
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, played by
0: no one I'd ever heard. Oh, of. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, Dougie yeah. she- Shears. No.
1: <laughs> yes, and Strawberry Fields, played by uh, someone for Rena. This was her only acting role. I looked this up.
0: Wow, it was that deepest scar?
1: She's she's done. She sang and a few others, but what I really want to talk about, and what the performance we really have to discuss, <laughs> and we? it's too often overlooked, is that of Carol Stricken. I was my note was what's Carol Stricken doing here? Uh, this was his first of all. Carol Stricken plays the brute. Yeah, he's mean, Mister Mustard's henchman. Yeah. And Carol Strickland, you're sitting there going, "Who the heck is Carol Strickland?" I guarantee you know who he is. Yeah, he has been in everything. This was his first movie, hmm. and he got the part. This was some trivia that I did want to bring in. He, when he was walking down a street near Hollywood and Vine, and a woman stopped her car in the middle of the street, jumped out of it, left her car, and ran after him, screaming, "We need you for a movie." <laughs> And it was this movie.
0: Wow. I mean, he has, so he, I think he's probably his best-known roles are Mr. Um, Hom from Star Trek Next Generation. Yep. He was
1: also Lurch, Lurch in the Raul Julia, Angelica Houston Adams family. Yeah, and right. I, the, I, the most iconic, I think, is the giant in Twin
0: Peaks. See, I never saw Twin Peaks, so yeah. for me it's not, yeah. Um, yeah, he's this very tall man. That's, that's his That's it, he's
1: very tall. <laughs> guy's also, by the way, uh, a pioneer in... Uh, vir- virtual reality hardware
0: and software. Oh well, good for him. Um, yeah the the performance of Carol Striken. I think he, yeah, he has walks a word. away with
1: the movie. Huh? Uh, yeah,
0: sure. Well, and so I will say this: Donald Pleasance has been in everything. Everything. He was even bigger a movie horror than is Anthony Hopkins. Oh yes, or, or Nicholas or Michael Cage. Cain. Yeah. I mean, Michael Caine is makes no bones about it. I will say this pretty much all of Michael Caine's performances are at least competent. And I don't think yeah. I've ever seen a bad one or anything approaching it. Donald no, Pleasance. He's... I'm just going to eh. say Hugh Maiman and leave it right there. Um, yeah, yeah, He yeah. literally will be, an, if it was a $50 movie, he would do it. And I did not recognize him at all. No. <laughs> I mean, and part of it is the
1: terrible hairpiece, which they point out is a hairpiece. Yes. A couple of times in the movie, he's moving it around. But he's you don't recognize him because no. he's playing a sleazy record producer B D something or other. Yeah. Oh, B, yeah. But he has it this energy. for big deal.
0: Yeah, okay. Oh, <laughs> sure it does. But he yeah. has this energy that I've never seen in Donald Pleasance before. I'm actually gonna give him a check mark because yeah, he, I didn't recognize him. Now that I know it's him, I still don't see it was him. It's totally different than what he usually does. He's the only actual known actor in this film that I think is actually acting. He makes,
1: an, he, I think he's one of the only people in this movie, period, who makes an effort. Yeah. It's, he's the only one who puts anything into it, and they actually they don't make him sing because he can't sing, but he recites the lyrics of I Want You. Yeah. And he doesn't, I gotta say, he doesn't even Rex Harrison them the way Steve Martin does for Maxwell Silverhammer. He just Ugh. reads them. Yeah. Well, we'll get to Steve Martin. Poor yeah. Steve. Uh, anyway, yeah, well,
0: there's a lot of pour going on. One of the pores that I'm not going to give is Peter Frampton. Um, uh, my first, my first note was Peter Frampton was straight yeah. um, because he couldn't. Yeah, literally- yeah, I am
1: sorry. I don't. I know this is offensive. I I apologize. I have never
0: seen anyone look so gay in a movie <laughs> ever. He skips into his first <laughs> scene wearing white overalls with a red heart on them. <laughs> yep, yep. White overalls, a pink shirt. Ugh. Oh my, his flowing blonde,
1: cr- <laughs> kinked hair. Yeah. Now, I, and again, I will give Pete, you, you got to give Peter Frampton his due. He is a phenomenal guitar player. Yeah. Frampton uh, Comes he, Alive
0: is one of the highest rated albums of rock of all time. But uh, he is so wrong for this movie. And I got to say, his, as good a voice as he has, I do not like his versions of the Beatles songs at all. Not
1: one. He doesn't, I mean, when he tries to do it with a little help from my friends. (laughs) Oh, Lord.
0: I'm not going to say, I would say this. The Bee Gees, I think they do a very good job for the Beatles songs. They do okay. I have no problem with their versions of the Beatles songs. Uh, George Burr Hearns, (laughs) that was just, I think it was mean to us, and it was mean to George. (laughs) Trying to make George Burns sing
1: "Fixing a Hole Where the Rain Gets In," I'm just watching it, going, "What were they thinking?" Mm. And when they there is that moment they're doing for the benefit of Mister Kite, where he is walking arm in arm with Frampton and the Bee Gees, and they're singing together, and it's it something in me died. <laughs> That's all like something that it was so wrong. Be, look. I love George Burns. George Burns is an icon. He is a legend. Yeah, he is one of the great, great people of comedy, and of vaudeville. He doesn't belong in this. He didn't deserve this. I hope they backed a movie. I hope that thirteen million dollar budget. I hope twelve point nine of it went to him. Yeah, he because they also made a very odd decision in this movie. Which one? (laughs) There's no dialogue.
0: Well, I don't Every, think it's odd, because the Bee Gees, of course, are very British, and for some reason, even though it's the Australian, Beatles, yeah. and they start in World War One in England...
1: They thought the accents wouldn't work, so all the dialogue, it's all narrated... By George Burns, a.k.a.
0: Mr. Kite. Well, it's not, though, because at various points in the film, we get title cards as if they're trying to do a silent movie. Yeah. And so my feeling is that what actually happened was that that's how they did the film. It was all with the silent title cards. They realized how it was not working, and they called George to come back in and said, could you just, like tell people what's going on, and then they just recorded that, and that's what we get.
1: <laughs> it must have been. A, I, I mean, I think they actually did record the dialogue, but they listened to it and said, no, it does, these guys are supposed to be from Heartland, USA. They're supposed <laughs> to be pure middle America, d- despite the fact they're singing a British band songs.
0: In California.
1: <laughs> in California. but So they, they can't have these these British accents. It, it People won't buy it. You know?
0: Yeah, I just, <laughs> that's... I, and I, I think that they may have been trying to pull off an operetta. It just, there's not, Maybe. there's no plot. There's no plot. Like, there's if you no, take a bunch nothing. of Beatles songs, you can't make a story because there isn't one. Um, which is also true of this film. <laughs> yeah, I like I mean, there's a number of weird sounds going through this film. We get two specific, very obvious Star Wars sound effects, which I'm like, why are those here? And then, it turns out that the villain initially is the Cylons. So <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, they're the two with the computerettes, yeah. for some utterly never explained reason, Ms. mustard has these two cylons in his uh, in his van. Let's they're they're fembots, members. basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they've got to f- be. They're, they're, they're sex robots, and, <laughs> and they sing a weird digit. They keep singing these weird digitized techno versions of like, what is it? Uh, she's leaving home, and. Yeah. Uh, I think when I'm 64. Yeah. The songs also, this is something about the, that reminded me of uh, Across the Universe. Whatever weaknesses it had, and it had plenty, the songs kind of fit what was going on. Kind of. Kind of. Or in, in interesting ways. And in here, it's just like, nope, we're, we're going to do a, a song. Like, when in the plot <laughs> the, the, the band has gotten their standard rich and famous contract from Orson well excuse me from b d <laughs> yeah, and they're about to leave via a hot air balloon because that's how you travel
0: yeah with a heart on it
1: and Strawberry sings a tender goodbye ballad of "Here comes the sun <laughs> that's not a sad song it's a joyful song it's a sweet song it's not you know in. Across the universe, they did an interpretation of "I Want to Hold Your Hand" right. as a song of desperate longing, which it usually isn't done as, and it worked.
0: Max, this, I, 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 I have none dis- of these work. <laughs> I have to disagree. I think it works because the song points out that the sun is out, and in that scene, the sun is in fact out. Uh,
1: <laughs> ah, I see. So it's. Oh, I see. So it's a weather report.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's not actually dawn. <laughs> <sighs>
1: But uh, there is a sequence. Uh, there is one moment I don't even remember what's happening, where <laughs> I honestly don't remember Sorry, what the I context had that a is. Lot. <laughs> yeah, but the B, be- but the band turns and looks directly into the camera, and it frightened me. I don't know they the BGs Bee- and Frampton looking into my soul. I-, I didn't like it.
0: Well, and to follow up your point, where it felt more or less in. The universe, like there was a purpose for the songs, and again, there were some interpretations I really liked in that movie. I just wish they had all been like that. But at some point, they're just singing, it has nothing to do with the plot. Yeah. We're literally watching them fill up the soundtrack. It's like, yeah, a sometimes, pump, and it's like, nope, got to get a little bit. There, we have <laughs> But album That's too. all this movie is, yeah. I'm, um, um, yeah, um, and so, so uh, if you want to look at. <laughs> If you want to look at yeah. protagonists versus antagonists, the only evil see, thing we actually see FVB, which doesn't even show up till the... We don't even know what FVB is until later on in the film. Yeah. Um, the only evil thing we actually see them do is buy real estate and put arcades up in Heartland.
1: No, no, no. You are mistaken, sir. They also beat up George Burns, tie him up and steal the apparently oh. magical instruments sure. of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band... Which are, of course, the same instruments that the Beatles played. The tuba, the <laughs> bass drum,
0: the saxophone, and the coronet.
1: Yeah. None of the Beatles played any of
0: those. Yeah. And the, uh, the other part, the musical part, um, so they give them to people that don't actually use them. That's the thing. <laughs> For any... Time. Why
1: do they give them... They, they, they distribute them... It becomes like a bad D&D quest. It's like, all right, I will give each of the villains one of the things that the heroes must go and collect Yeah, or a video game. Yeah, they give the coronet to Steve Martin, who is Dr. Maxwell
0: Edison, Yeah, who's, who's supposed
1: to be this sort of plastic surgeon.
0: He's turning people into Boy Scouts, though, which...
1: Not, those were not Boy Scouts. Did you look at the coloring? Those were Hitler youth.
0: Oh, uh, okay.
1: The brown shorts? Yikes!
0: I just thought they were ugly. That
1: was creepy.
0: Okay, so FVB, <laughs> Future Villain Band, Future Villain Band. The biggest evil in this picture is in fact Aerosmith.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they do the best. It, you know, I thought again another comparison. The most, the ironic thing for me, the songs I, I enjoyed most in this and in Across the Universe were the same song come yeah. together, yeah. which Joe Cocker did in yep. Across the Universe, and what Aerosmith did in this one.
0: And both Weird very different. Yeah, they're very different interpretations. Yeah. But I got to give Steven Tyler his due. He does a great version of it. What's yeah, really he funny nails it. is, oh, how many years later would this be? I think it's around 2010. Steven Tyler and a, a few other rock biggies were at a New Year's Eve party and they decide to sing Come Together. And during the song, all of them, including Steven Tyler, are passing around the lyric sheet because oh, they don't yeah. know the words. However, <laughs> one of the members at that party who was singing the song did not need the lyric sheet. I know, sheet. I know. Max, do you know, would you tell our audience who that was?
1: That was one of the great musicians of our time, Weird Al Yakovic.
0: Yes, and you can find this video if you go look for it online. Yep, it's it's, it's great. awesome. It's, I can't forget who's... I want to say that Alice Cooper is one of the people there I can't remember. But it's all these people doing come together. They swap the, the sheet for verses. And then Weird Al, he's just going all out. He does not need any lyric sheet. He just does it. Um, but yeah, so Future Villain Band, the biggest evil known to man, and the best they could come up with was Boston's own Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> now,
1: I, I admit, Kiss would have been more theatrical looking.
0: The problem is, they would have showed everybody else up with all that you makeup Aeros- and stuff.
1: Oh, that's true. The, the, the makeup and costumes they would have brought themselves yeah. would have been better than anything in this movie.
0: Yeah. Now, so, so let's take a step back and at least sure. put some perspective on this film. This is 1978. Yes. There was a lot of things happening in 1978. None <laughs> of them the- were good. <laughs> No. So we're in the disco era.
1: We are we are at peak disco.
0: We have not quite gone over that hump that will give us the wonderful '80s music. We are not into new wave yet. We're still. If you're if you're if you've got any taste, you're probably listening to punk, um, Mm. because we're 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 in uh, we're pretty much in post punk at this point. But disco has a lot to answer for, and this is one of the biggest (laughs) pieces of evidence. There was this weird. Discoization, and that didn't necessarily just mean the music, but it was also the culture. So the Bee Gees, um, yeah. but bringing back old stars and the old stars themselves trying to seem appealing to younger audiences. Yeah, uh, would would do things like you'd see um, Elizabeth Taylor showing up at Studio 54, which that's not weird, um, and hanging out with people like Michael Jackson, who has not become Michael Jackson yet, but he will soon. Yeah. Um, and quite honestly, in entertainment had a different definition back then. Because quite honestly, this whole movie to me, especially at one point when they speed up the film, and the goofy Ugh. music feels, in the whole thing feels like one big Donnie and Marie show skit. <laughs> it kind
1: of does. It really does. It's just like the, the weakest premise possible to hang together songs.
0: And especially when the Bee Gees are getting into, I'm sorry, the the the... the the Hendersons Henderson's are getting into the balloon to go chase after FVB. I was like, is it the Bee Gees or is it the Hudson brothers? I'm not sure. My
1: my thought was because they do actually, they get in and there's like a Shazam moment where it's a flash of light and they're wearing these wild disco air aerators. Costumes. Yeah. And I thought, oh God, it's Captain Cool and the Kongs <laughs> From <laughs> well, the Sid and Marty Croft hour.
0: One of the other things the seventies did, and I find you you hear this a lot in the music of the entire decade, is oldie timey was a thing again. And so you'd you'd hear really? a lot of yeah, you'd hear a lot of um songs that referenced the the roaring 20 not the roaring 20 sorry the 1890s like Uh-oh. that that era and Uh-oh. so the crossing of those weird band uniforms and disco was a thing um basically the taste of the entire decade is in question and it's yeah. on full display in this movie quite honestly um i don't i never liked disco whatever some people like disco it's fine and the bgs let's not be overly cruel they were yeah. exceedingly accomplished and talented singers and one mm-hmm. of the coolest things they were i don't care yeah. for their music personally yeah. but the thing is they, is they apparently musicians. started doing it just for fun like they were just copying people they saw on tv they didn't have lessons or anything and they were brothers yeah um, i believe that's what i, I thought where B- the name B- c- it's brothers gib isn't it
1: that's where the name comes from bg's brothers gib there was also you know there was a fourth gib that's right that was andy Gibb who went solo with his legendary song, which I'm sure everyone remembers, I Want to Be Your Everything.
0: All I know is that he, he died early.
1: The sad thing about the Bee Gees, and that's kind of one of the things that makes me uncomfortable watching this movie, yeah. is all everyone except Barry is dead.
0: Uh, and they all I've,
1: died young.
0: Is it Barry or Robin? I think it's Robin. No,
1: Rob, no, Robin died a few years ago. Okay. Barry is the only one left. I looked this up.
0: Well, you know why. Why? He looks like Jeebus. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah in this though my god barry's hair is practically a separate character
0: well i mean that was the time and to be fair the rest of the the gibbs did not have as much luck with uh hair (laughs) pretty obvious especially with maurice at this point but yeah uh, eh, yeah um and then for absolutely no reason at all ladies and gentlemen Earth, wind, and fire! <laughs> yeah, out of nowhere, they're doing a benefit concert for the benefit of
1: Mr. Kite to save Heartland from yeah. Mean Mr. Mustard, who is foreclosing on everything for some reason. I'm literally, there's no reason. He just th- does. And they, and they have Earth, Wind, and Fire to show up to do. I have to admit, one of my less favorite Beatles songs got to get you into my life. Yeah. And it's interesting, because they funkify it.
0: Well, you know what, I think that there is a purpose for them being there. they're there to remind us what music actually sounds like. (laughs) I I think they're also
1: there to remind us that black people exist. Because until the final scene, this is a very white movie.
0: They wear white. uh, They are white. Uh, Sometimes you can't tell Frampton from his overalls.
1: Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees are pretty much distilled whiteness.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then suddenly... So, okay. Billy Preston. Mm. Because... Sergeant Pepper has died. They've made a commemorative weather vane of him. They've made a commemorative statue weather vane of Sergeant Pepper, a very known white British guy, and he's put up on top of City Hall or whatever. And yet, as Peter Frampton's about to jump, one story to his death onto the lawn, or, or
1: to, to the vicious spraining of I, his ankle,
0: the lightning hits it. It spins around and turns into Black Billy Preston.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And he does a, 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 actually, even for him, a rather dull version of Get Back. Yes.
0: I'm sorry I had to cut I wanna, you out, but.
1: <laughs> I, I had to point out, and this wouldn't have ruined it, by the way. Just saying. What kind of cheap ass town gives their favorite son a friggin' weather vane? Yeah. You couldn't be bothered to make a real statue? No, it's a weather vane. What? You had the $60?
0: <laughs> yeah, but the statue wouldn't Jeez. spin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then there's the I uh, spirit of music. I don't know. I sure. don't know. And yes,
1: and then it becomes it's basically Deus Ex Preston <laughs> or Deus Ex Weather Vane. Save us with your magical your magic weather vane powers, Billy Preston. And he basically reverses all of the consequences of the movie. <laughs> except goes, our having s- seen it. <laughs> except the fact that we saw it, he goes, Zap, Strawberry Fields is alive again. Zap, I'm catching uh, uh, Billy Shears before he falls off Zap, I'm turning Mr. Mustard into the Pope yeah. I want to know how the theology <laughs> of that works by the way, and I want to know if he would be accepted by the Catholic hierarchy because what he is dressed as that is the papal regalia only the Pope wears that white and gold thing with the Crozier and he turns the bru- he turns everyone into priests and nuns, all the bad guys, or at least Are you sure he wasn't the bishop? the power of the the power of costume change compels you because it's quite clear as they're looking at the clothing. He hasn't actually changed them. He's just given them costumes.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, this film is just sort of a, a barely Uh, dressed attempt at making a movie. So, you know, there you go. Um, do you think that that implies that there's some sort of message? (laughs) No, (laughs) no,
1: No, the message is kidding. Everything's fine. Just like, just enjoy the
0: music. I thought it was try your hardest. If that doesn't work, uh, threaten to jump off the porch, and then Billy Preston will come and save you. Oh, <laughs> um, I mean, I suppose the film is meant to just be let's have a good time with some Beatles songs. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a ju- it's a jukebox movie. Yeah. The weird thing is, is it's not even 10 years since the Beatles broke up. <laughs> so, I mean, it's sort of like I, I part of it feels like, oh, let's do a memorial to the Beatles. And the Beatles are stating off. The right, going, we're, we're right here. We haven't died <laughs> not yet. We still have two years to go. Um, yeah. So I don't I'm not exactly sure. Um, they have to do a lot of lip syncing in this film. And it is universally, oh, universally yeah. terrible. It is
1: very it's very obvious, especially Steve Martin's bit. I'm sorry. I want to talk about that. I want to talk okay. about the uh, the guest bits. Him sure. and Alice Cooper. <laughs> Steve Martin looks like he has no idea why he's there. Hey, now again, <laughs> he throw he tries. First of all, Steve Martin doesn't really sing, no. and he doesn't try to sing. He wrecks Harrison's his way through it with. Uh, he sort of sings the chorus. Steve Martin is not a singer. He can, however, sing when he has to. I don't know what they were doing. He can
0: carry a tune.
1: Yeah, I don't know why they insisted on that. And he's doing the full Steve Martin leaping about, body contortion, dancing, which doesn't match the song or the situation at all. But God love him, he is, th- he is putting it all out there. Him and Donald Pleasance make the most effort in this movie.
0: And I gotta give the nod to Donald Pleasance. I mean, yeah. quite honestly, Steve Martin. It's sort of like, and Jim Carrey is Anna Karenina.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's in there for, and he's only there for a few seconds. He's in the, on for one song and then vanishes. Yeah, uh, Donald Pleasence is you know is through, shows up throughout the movie.
0: Yeah, and I, just, and, I still can't see him,
1: but I, and I, Alice I, Cooper does the creepiest version
0: well, of because, and the, I don't. So do you, did you remember what his actual? Um, character's background was
1: yeah oh you mean father son his name was like something sunk and he dropped the k and became a cult leader
0: no yeah but what he would do you know what do you remember what his profession was before he became Oh, what was
1: he an insurance salesman no, he was an evil crossing guard <laughs> oh that's right he was an evil crossing guard <laughs> yeah I, I want a. I i want a job as an evil crossing guard where do you apply for that
0: now to be fair i don't know what the effects of him being in rehab had to do on his performance if anything apparently he wanted to sing and they said no do this whatever but it's alice cooper he could yeah. have been so cool and so it could creepy have been so much fun and just being alice cooper <laughs> the song
1: i still maintain the vocals he does because he does because the
0: world is
1: round i mean my god he sounds like frank gorshin doing the riddler
0: Yeah, either that or he's looking for his precious. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. But when we see him, he's just a guy in a white t-shirt. Yeah. You had Alice Cooper there, one of the most theatrical rockers of his time, and he was just a waste. Didn't do anything with him. Just like you had Steve Martin, one of the hottest comedy, comic, and musical talents of his time. And it's just sort of, now we're just, just mug a lot and bound around.
0: Well, he had the last laugh because his album made it to number two. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And Wild and Crazy Guy, I'm not sure how well that aspect of Steve Martin holds up. Um, it was eh. very much a product of its time. But Wild and Crazy Guy, he was gigantic. Oh, he was
1: hu- he was um, huge. He
0: was. I mean, he was a, a massive hit for a comedy album to make it number two on the Billboard charts. Whew. That was unheard
1: of. Yeah, yeah. nobody. George Carlin, I think, did that once. But that was a that's the kind
0: of company he was in. And the last comedy album to make number one on the Billboard charts, I'm sure you know what this is.
1: Um, well, if it's comedy music, I assume it's Weird Al.
0: It is Weird Al's mandatory Fun. Ah, okay. Yep. Um, yeah, I... Uh, there, So, yeah, who else do we have as guests in the guests? Um... <laughs> I think that's pretty much it for the movie I musical, think we covered all the
1: major I, ones, yeah. I have a
0: quick question for you, because yeah. I was doing this. I'd, I'd never seen this film, so I was not prepared for the weird ending part where it's oh, like, boy! and here we have, so this yeah. is who I picked out without yeah. looking at the credits, without looking anything up, and these are yep. the kind of people they threw in with the Bee Gees and yep. Peter Frampton. We, we Carol, should
1: explain, wait, m- you should explain what the shot is.
0: It's just it's, people.
1: <laughs> it just goes from Billy Preston doing, you know, magically zapping everything happy. He then just turns to an empty lot, goes zap, and there's a set of bleachers and about, I don't know, 50 people yeah. standing on there singing the reprise of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yeah. And that, and that
0: group includes, these yeah. are the ones again, these are just the ones, I know okay. there's lots more. These are the ones that I actually visualize. Is like, is that Carol Channing? Yep. Wolfman Jack. He's there. Jose Feliciano. Jose Feliciano. Edgar Winter. Yeah. <laughs> Leaf Garrett. Yeah. Dame Edna?
1: <laughs> Dame Edna, a.k.a. Barry Humphreys.
0: Leo Sayre. And possibly the strangest one in there that I could pick out visually, Helen Reddy? Helen <laughs> is there. Shana Na is uh, there, the okay. whole band. Shana Na makes sense Connie, to me, at least. Connie Stevens. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> Al Stewart is in there for some reason. Doctor John is in there. Honestly, look it up. the The list is enormous, and it makes absolutely
0: no sense. No, it's it's a who's who of who's not popular.
1: <laughs> I just figured it was whoever happened to be on the lot
0: that yeah. day. Yeah, Leaf Garrett was my favorite. Uh, oh,
1: Rick Derringer <laughs> is in there
0: too. Oh, okay. Yeah, it. Yeah, uh, Carol Channing is the biggest. He's head, like, like what? <laughs> Get back! Get back! That's my best Carol Channing. Yeah, um, yeah it makes as much sense as, as her being there. Um It's, yeah. Now, um I'm going to get in trouble for this, but uh, when it came out, my sister loved this movie. Sorry, Val, but it's true. You know it's true. <laughs> and I remember, maybe because she liked this movie, I remember it having way bigger of an impact like it being everywhere and being a big thing and a cultural thing and apparently it was everywhere and then it got returned yeah <laughs> um do you remember this at all i mean well we should i do i like... saw
1: it when it came out okay but we'll talk about that when <laughs> yeah, we, when we the closing.
0: Get, yeah at the big surprise ending <laughs> uh i'm trying to think if i've got anything else in my notes i don't think, oh yeah there's one there's one little note i had in here so when they get to um to Hollywood to show how evil it is, and it's um, it's probably around noon. All I yeah. could say was, "Wow, the hookers are out early." <laughs> yes, because <laughs> they're like vamping in front of a diner, <laughs> as, oh, as way, hookers what, do at lunchtime.
1: Before we wrap up, do you, yeah. do, you, do you have any idea who was the guy who was playing Mr. Mustard was?
0: I saw the, I thought, it's like he looks familiar. At first I thought it was Dr. Shrinker, but it wasn't. Um, um, I don't know who that actor No, looked. you I, don't. We don't.
1: His name's Frankie Howard, mm. and he is virtually unknown in this country. He yeah. was a major English comedian. He had his own show. Oh. He's been in a ton of stuff. He never crossed. He never made any impact on this side of the ocean. And he's still missing. I don't know why they said, "Hey, let's get him." I don't know. Maybe one of the Bee Gees was a big fan, or Frampton was.
0: Well, and that's still the weirdest part about this film because it's denying its own nature. Like the film shows us World War II, and it's obviously supposed to be Europe World and one. Britain. World War, I, World yes. War One. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: World War One. And it's obviously supposed to be the British and the Germans. Like, that's a thing. And then yeah. the next thing we know, they're, the, they're the, the life and blood of Heartland, USA. There's literally no explanation for this. We're just, once we were there, now we're here. Mm-hmm. And they're the hometown boys, although they're not actually... American yeah, they're
1: supposed to be the all-American boys, which is why we couldn't hear their accents.
0: Yeah. I mean, none of them uh, Peter Frampton. Oh, wait. Is Peter Frampton British? No, he's British. Yes, he is. he is. Yes, he is. No, okay. he's English. Yeah. I, what do I, I've never listened to Comes Alive. Um, so let's see. Who in this film is American? George Burns, who's the only one who talks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: Um, Billy Preston. Or is he?
1: Uh, I think he. No, I think actually Billy Preston may be English. Um... I'm not positive. Carol Channing. Carol Channing. <laughs> yep. And all of Shawna. Nah. They're, well, they're all. They're all American. Uh,
0: yeah. So pretty much none of the main yeah. characters are yeah. actually American. But we're doing well. Strawberry
1: line. is, but you know, character kind of goes a little far describing her. Anyway. Yeah.
0: And she's a barely adequate singer. She's fine. She's barely. Literally. There's. I. I don't remember her voice at all. It made no impression. Nope. Um, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm at the end of my notes. We yeah. should get to the surprise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Roundup. So Max. Yes. You, why did you uh, see this when it came out? It
1: was, it was pretty big. They were hyping it and I love Beatles music. And especially at that point, you know, in 1978, when everyone else was tired of the Beatles, I was discovering them <laughs> and I, I thought that, oh, wow, this is so cool. I rem-
0: so. Yeah. Uh, what was your do you remember your your reaction? Oh, your... I do. And
1: why? <laughs> why did you do this? Yeah. I remember just sitting there going, "How do you how do you make Beatles music boring?" And I'm going, "That's how." Yeah. But that is my biggest thing with this movie is they leech all of the the sentiment, the character, and the skill out of the songs and they make them dull and bland, with the exception of Aerosmith and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yep. All the songs are so boring, and I didn't think that was possible.
0: Mm. In the 70s, anything is possible.
1: (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) And the acting is so bad. Donald Pleasant's Absolutely, he leaves it all all out on the field. But he's only—if you add up his screen time, I think he's in for fifteen minutes.
0: Mm, I think you're being generous,
1: <laughs> Pro- probably. But uh, okay, whatever. Whatever you want to say about the music, musical skills of Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees—they can't act. No, I mean, not at all. the Beatles did a better job in help. At least they looked like they were having. Okay, they looked like they were stoned, but at least they—they <laughs> well, they were, they were kind were. of interesting. <laughs>
0: See our entire episode on help. Now, have you seen the film since then?
1: I don't think so. No.
0: So you got to watch it for this. No, I did. I made you. <laughs> yes. So uh, remind me to thank you with a large, heavy object. No, 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 no. So uh, when you were a child, you were deeply disappointed. Your yeah, heart was broken. You it was. You threw away all your BG's albums and uh, lit them <laughs> which <on. laughs>
1: I never owned. Yes. Yeah.
0: Oh, and I threw the, away
1: other people's B G albums. <laughs>
0: when it broke into their houses. Yep. and stole their Bee <laughs> up. Yep. So you've had a lot of time to mature, to oh, reassess, yeah. to get a better worldview of things, to see things in a in a more holistic approach. Now, looking back on Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Come, now, how do you feel?
1: <laughs> I am consumed with hatred. <laughs> this movie is insulting to the Beatles. It's yeah. an assault on them. <laughs> and it's just the lack of any... It's an insult to the audience, I think. I totally get why the Golden Turkey Awards nominated this for worst movie musical of all time, and I still can't believe it was beaten out by, at long last, Love. <laughs> but
0: yeah, it's well they <laughs> so...
1: it. There's no effort. They don't try. Nobody except Aerosmith... At Earth, Wind and Fire, they're doing what they do. You can tell. That's just like, oh yeah, we're on a tour or something, we'll just do the same show we were doing. Yeah. And at least Steven Tyler, he throws himself into it. He's in it. Yep. But the rest of the music the rest of the entire movie is so dull and lifeless and uninteresting. Yep. Ugh. Now you never you had never seen this.
0: No. I have been so avoiding you, it since my sister came so home with the soundtrack, loving it because I hated disco then, and I hate disco now. I hated it as a son, and I hate it as a mother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I chose it because I thought, hey, here's another jukebox musical. And also, I will admit, part of me was like, you know what? I've never seen this. Maybe it's actually aged and turned to this actually goofy, fun thing. Maybe it's... Yeah. You- I'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was surprised, all right. Yeah. Uh, as Max said, almost all meaning is stripped, and I do mean stripped, from the Beatles' songs. There is, oh, look, here's a song about Strawberry Fields, because her name is Strawberry Fields. We're not even in a field when we sing it, and we make no reference to the place that it actually came from. She
1: is singing it herself. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to forget what my name is, so I'll (laughs) sing this song.
0: I mean, why she doesn't go, me, forever, (laughs) I don't know. But (laughs) she could.
1: Oddly, one of the more painful (laughs) ones to me is when... The BGs are singing a day in the life. Yeah. Now, it's not that they do it you know, incompetently, but they sound like a bunch of children who don't understand what the lyrics are. Mm. It, it, there's none of the that is an incredibly painful song to listen to. It's this bleak, hopeless, dark. And it's supposed to be in a sad time, but the way they sing it, it's just like, you know, I read the news today. Oh boy!
0: And then the boy comes out. And no, no, there's no boy. Oh lord! It it is utterly pointless. Um, This honestly feels, if there was a '70s version of um, Tommy Wiseau, this feels like there was somebody who had never done anything in Hollywood before, Mm. literally walked into Hollywood with a bunch of money and said, "I'm gonna make a movie, and it's gonna (laughs) be great." That's what this feels like. It, yeah. There's no sense. I can totally see why the BGs after two weeks, were like, Can we please get out of this? That and they were showed like, no. real
1: sense on their part. Yeah. And
0: sure enough, it actually kind of really did cave their careers right after they, this. Yeah, it, they didn't. I mean, disco was going away anyway. And that was. Frampton held
1: on. Frampton st- it stuck around. Well,
0: Frampton wasn't disco.
1: True. He, he, he was yeah. wise. Yeah. Um, he was pop. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and rock to a degree, um, certainly somehow Alice Cooper didn't get hurt by this. He just got out of rehab and went, played golf and continued to be Alice Cooper to this day. Even Alice Cooper going on the Muppets was good for him.
1: (laughs) Yes. Amazing. And also one of their better episodes.
0: Yeah. And you would think like, who was the original quote unquote King of shock rock Going on the Muppets would basically said, "Well, we can write him off." No, yeah. he's still Alice nope. Cooper, and apparently he's a really nice guy. Apparently he's a sweetheart. And, like <laughs> see, I, I see, do see, I have to say, when I was is, when
1: <laughs> I was watching uh, uh, Aerosmith in this, I'm going, "Wow, Steven Tyler always looked like that."
0: He, oh, he he's has got. I mean, he's aged oddly. I think he yeah. actually looks right now like an, uh, a very nicely aged older woman. Um, yeah, Aerosmith, it's Let's fine. just say, Liv,
1: I'm glad you got your looks from your mom.
0: Uh, I see a, I see some of her dad. Just a little. Um, I don't... <clears throat> I can't see what they're trying to cash in on, because there wasn't a Beatles craze at this point. I don't um, think there was. The f- thankfully, the one thing I can give them credit for is they don't try to disco-fy the songs. Yes, no, the Bee Gees are singing them, but they're but they singing they are. Them they don't
1: change the arrangements to be disco arrangements. They don't run into a lot of disco nightmare stuff. No, yeah. and
0: I honestly think the Bee Gees' harmonies are really quite astounding.
1: They had very, They did very tight harmonies, that's true. They're
0: um, but otherwise you should avoid this like the plague, which isn't that hard cause you have to rent it. Otherwise, um, seriously,
1: this is not even a movie that you want to get stoned and watch because no, no. <laughs> you will end up curled up on the floor, whimpering, like no, when the Bee Gees stare at the camera and into your soul, your mind will shatter.
0: I honestly think if you're stoned and you start watching this, you'll just fall asleep. I, yeah, that's true. That's much more likely, because yep. God knows
1: the music won't keep you awake.
0: No. Um, but uh, let's uh, let's talk about that poll question we'd like Let to reiterate, because we want yeah. to, speaking of uh, jukebox musicals, yeah. we would like to know what musician or band's music would you make a jukebox musical out of? And how can they tell us? Yeah, how do tell, they us? tell us. How would they tell us? Uh, they would tell us through many different ways, such as email. You can email us directly. You'll know it goes right to our box, and that we will see it personally. Our eyes will cast tracks over your email if you send it to us at maxmikemovies.com. I tracks. It's a thing. Look it up. Yep. Uh, you could also leave a comment on our website which is surprisingly at movies.com. we have all of our episodes there you can look at them singularly you can look at them by series and you can leave comments about this show any of our shows or give us ideas for new shows and we're actually going to be asking you for some help very soon if you like to listen to us on a podcast app, you probably already are, but you can find <laughs> us on one such as the Apple podcast app or the Google podcast app, or I, I don't even know where we're not at this point. We're on Amazon. Yeah. Amazon play. Amazon, or Amazon music, music. We're on Spotify. We're on, uh, I radio, lots of different yep. places all over the place. And of course we are still on social media. Cause that's the thing for the time being. We are still on Facebook, which is Max Mike Movies. Yep. We are still on Twitter, although I don't know if that's for the the moment. Yes. Yeah. 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 Although you know, we don't want to disappoint all six of you. Hey, seven. Oh, seven. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah. yeah. But we are still in the midst of the Beatles, and Mm. uh, I think we've kind of played out the jukebox musical, haven't we? I think we have. Oh, good. So So we're going to be doing more serious.
1: Well, no, not at all. We're going for, in (laughs) fact. Uh, a parody slash tribute of a lesser known band, the Prefab for... No, oh, the monkeys. The, no, the Ruttles.
0: The Ruffles.
1: We're going to be watching the Ruffles. All you need is cash. Huh. Yep. Ruffles. Sound me? strange? Come back next week and find out what, what's happening, or has Max finally had an episode and needs to be taken away?
0: Well, that's been true for 192 episodes. <laughs>